Rad Radio presents the Rad Probcast. Get it? It's a podcast hosted by a guy named Rob. So it's a probcast. Very clever. And now, here's your host, a guy named Rob. My guest this week is Chef Q of Q1227 Restaurant in Roseville, California, a place that my wife and I kind of stumbled into accidentally months ago uh, and immediately fell in love with it and the vibe. So let's start with, if I understand this correctly, 1227, that's your birthday. Correct. Okay. Correct. The Q is you go by Chef Q, but I don't know your name. I don't know if anybody knows your name. I can't I, crack this mystery. I think a few people know. Um, my government name. <laughs> um, my government name is Quentin. Okay, but you. But everybody calls you Q. Everybody calls me Q. even the wife. Even the wife. Well, sometimes well, she's called me other stuff. When that depends on how she is. Understood. Uh, Married man myself. Yeah, yes, yeah. As, as you know. So, um, so Q twelve twenty seven. Yes. Um, I, I, I want to start with this. We have an ongoing conversation on the Rad Show because I, I don't I don't know how much you know about our background, but we've actually published five cookbooks. Oh wow! Um, and and I, I fancy myself a, a cook, um, but over the years people have gotten offended when we would do videos or whatever, and I would wear a, a chef's coat or I would call myself Chef Rob, because there's this thing in the culinary community that you're only a chef if you went to culinary school. Now you call yourself Chef Q. Yeah. Did you go to culinary school? I did not, Rob. Uh-oh. Uh, I did not. Okay, so first of all, let me first start by saying thank you for having the opportunity to be on the Rat Show. This is awesome. Um, so I was told that you're not a chef until your peers respect you as chef. So not necessarily the culinary school vibe, but uh, your peers, the people in the industry, has to respect you as a chef. So I like that a lot better. Yeah. So how then did you become what is now respected Chef Q? What's your training? Um, I came up through the ranks of just the kitchen. I started washing dishes, um, and worked my way up slowly, 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 very slowly. But, uh, <laughs> um, I just worked my way up. I, I had the fortunacy to work under some really, really great chefs and some really nice restaurants. What, wait, and, wait, what, what started all that? Like, did you, were, were, did you cook as, like, I, I, I had to cook as a kid. I was a latchkey kid. Like, you know, it was come yeah. home and if you want to eat, you better know how to at least turn on the stove. So I was the same way. I, I'm the youngest of, my mother birthed 17 kids. What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> let, let that sink in for a while. <laughs> Wow. She birthed 17 kids. Um, so I remember, like, you know, there was a group of twins that, you know, didn't make it. Out. They died right after birth. But what I remember growing up, it was at least 10 of us around, right? And I was the youngest. I don't like to say the baby because that <laughs> makes people think differently. <laughs> um, I was the youngest of 10. So I was that hip baby. I was on my mom's leg when she was cooking in the kitchen. Um, and, you know, you picked up on little things. She was let me help her whatever I could do go grab a pan go grab you know lick the bowl from the cake that was the best <laughs> well, <right>? yeah <laughs> that was the best the rewards of being in there um but then, then I went away um I went away to college uh then I joined the military and uh you know my my years in the military I was like you know I I, I never thought I was going to be a chef I started needing a job needing extra money I started washing dishes and there was this chef that I was washing dishes with he said to me Hey, you know you're you're pretty good at this. Maybe you should think about a career in the navy. No, well, it was in the navy. Yes, in the navy. Okay. So I cha- I transferred my career in the navy over to what they call culinary specialists, um, and they sent me to a little, you know, training, if you will. It wasn't a culinary school, <laughs> by no means. Um, and then when I got out, I started washing dishes at a permanent hotel in San Diego, um, right on the beach. Um, and then I kind of kept moving my way up asking tons of questions just trying to be you know that that little pesty kid just asking questions and so where 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 in there did the bug bite you so you went you went you went to college you graduate college no i didn't actually i got uh, i was going for criminal justice but i never graduated couldn't couldn't afford that's what started the oh let me get a job let me start washing dishes so okay and so that's why you went navy that's why i went navy and then it was it in the navy that you went oh i i actually like this cooking thing correct okay correct and um, so when but you it get... did start from my mom. I, I right. give my mom all credit. You know, <laughs> but to not to the point where you ever thought you would be Never. a chef until Never. you got rebitten in the Navy. Never, yeah. So you, you get done with the Navy. By the way, how would you like serving the country? I loved it. I, I loved it. I mean, there was some good times. There was some bad times, of course. Um, but I loved it. I went through uh, two wars. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, met a lot of people, traveled the world, um, which was, 
again, another bug because every country we went to, we went to restaurants. I would go into the restaurants, and if I liked the food, the next day I would go into the back door and knock on the door and say, hey, can I come in here and learn? Can I just follow you around your kitchen? <laughs> I did that in Japan. I did that in Thailand. I did that in Singapore um, just to kind of glean what those chefs or what that restaurant was doing. And I just say, you don't have to pay me. I just want to learn. That is so fascinating. My wife, Christina, she did 12 years in the Army. Oh, wow. And um, that Thank is... Thank you for your service, Christina. And, and, and <laughs> as to you as well, uh, uh, that is one thing that seems to be so unique or... or specific to a lot of you that did overseas time is the food yeah and a lot of places the only like she is enamored with some of the food she got in the middle east yeah. and she can only get it in the middle east yeah. she keeps looking to yeah. find it because when you have those on the ground experiences you get it really authentically made by them yeah so that was that, that was very intriguing to me so when you know so i was stationed in san diego and i was on a ship and you know went all over um the coast and west coast and all that stuff so when i got back here um, just one extra money and I just started washing dishes at a hotel and, you know, lo and behold, that ended up being a lot more than I had originally anticipated. So how many restaurants have you worked at total? Oh, you're gonna make me count. Um, give or take. Give or take five to seven. And every time working your way up and, and then do you, do you get at some point named sous chef or head chef? Yeah, of course. I've, I've had my stints in restaurants where, you know, I was the sous chef. I was the executive chef of restaurants. I've opened up my share of restaurants. Um, you know, it <laughs> it was never, and, and I'll, I'll say this all due humbleness, it was never like I had to prove myself in every spot that I've had to go into. I would apply for executive chef. They would hire me as a sous chef. And then two months later, promote me. And it was like, I'm the same guy. I got the same resume. You know what I mean? I, I think that I just had to go in and prove myself, prove my skills, prove my ability. Um, and then, you know, I had to, you know, just say, hey, I can do this job. Nobody ever, like, took me for, like, I can be, I can run your company. Did, did you ever get an idea of why that was? I mean, I think, yeah. I think I, think I got an idea. Um this road has not been easy, you know what I'm saying? Um, my counterpart parts um, in the industry have been, let me just, let me, uh, if we're gonna be really frank and honest here. That's the um, idea. It's, um, it, I think it was because I was a black chef and I think it was because they didn't trust that I knew the business or could do the job. So they always hired me in, underpaid me, hired me in a position or two under what I was applying for and then I had to just work my way up, and I was willing to do that to prove to them that I could do the job. And is that what is that what what like for example in that story where two months later you're promoted to the the job mm -hmm. you actually applied for? Is that what turned them? Is that you just went in there and said I'm just going to work harder than everybody else? Pretty much, pretty much. I and, and, and a lot of times I, I had to do that because I wanted the respect and I wanted to pr prove them that I could do the job. So you know, here I am applying for executive chef. I know I'm qualified for the job, um, but you you're gonna hire me for sous chef um give me you know not pay me what i'm worth um and i and i would say okay and then two months later you're gonna fire the the guy that you're hiring bigger <laughs> chef because he wasn't qualified um and then you know you know promote me and the only difference was the two months and you know i already knew the job i knew how to run the restaurant so you took it Sort of as a, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but almost like a chip on your shoulder. Like, if you're going to tell me, I'm going to show you. Definitely, Rob. I mean, it was also, it was also, you know, like, you know, being the underdog, right? Um, and just, you know, not only the chip on the shoulder, I really was, was adamant to prove them wrong. And it, literally, like, every job I've had, that has been the way I've had to come up. Where'd you grow up? Florida. So how how much as you grew up, and when did you get out to the west part of the country? 90, 89, 90. Okay. How, how much as you grew up did you experience being black in America? <laughs> I'm still experiencing <laughs> Right. I'm trying to figure out how, how formed it was. So in other words, let me, let me phrase it this way. You weren't surprised, were you, when that's how they hired you? Um, no, I wasn't, but I was upset. Sure. Um, that no. never goes away, does right, it? Right, right. I wasn't surprised, but I was upset. Um. Because I'm I'm looking at the people that you're hiring and I'm and I'm saying that they're not qualified. They're not they're good people. They're just not qualified to do this job. And then, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks into it, you know, a month into it, you're telling me, 
just be their support, you know, just help them out, help them learn their job. Like you hired them for a job, you're paying them for a job, but they can't do the job. So now you want me to, you know, pick up the slack, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, it was just all in due time in that, you know, it, it's just going to work out. And, you know, it, it did. It now, you did. mentioned along the way you've owned you've owned more than Q. Do you, is Q1227 the only one you own right now? Yes. Okay. So when did you, when did you, when did you decide I'm going to own a restaurant? I think, you know, when I really took this thing serious, when I really, you know, found out that, you know, if I can cook, I will always have a job because people always have to eat. And when I when it sunk in, it was like, okay, great. Now, how far can I take this? Um, I think anybody that's in any career at some point should say, I want my own. Um, and so it, it hit me quite, you know, quite early. Um, but I didn't know the route. I didn't know how to get there. Um, so I had to, you know, I just put my head down and I worked. I, I went in and I did the 16-hour shifts and I, I worked the seven days a week and I did all of that. Um, but through my travels and through my experiences, I would always say to the owner or to the boss, hey, what if we try this? What if we do this? Um, and it would, you know, more than likely just be shunned and they wouldn't do it because my whole heart, my whole desire was always customer-based. If we satisfy and please the customer, they're going to come back and all of this. And in any restaurant I ever worked in, that was always my concern. Well, it's not about what I like. It's about what the guests like. But did you see Did you see that it wasn't always the other people working the restaurant's concern? The owners? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. It, it was all about, a lot of them was all about the money, all about, you know, the dollars. Turn the table, turn the table, get them in, get them out. And that just wasn't my vibe. I didn't like rushing people. When I go out to eat dinner with my wife, I don't like to be rushed. Allow me to just sit here and course my meal out. Just let me relax. And, you know, so other restaurants, it, it really was all about the table. That seat holds a certain dollar value. And if we can get this person in and get another person in and get another person in, we've just what we call flipped that table. We just flipped that table three times and we just made three times. You know, so it wasn't about that. For it's me. a formula. It is. It yeah. really was a formula for every restaurant. And for me, it was like, Hey guys, if we just take our time and instead of that guest coming in, having an entree and one glass of wine, if we wined and dined them, they will have a couple courses and a bottle of wine. And we've just done the same thing, but also built a relationship with the guests. And now they're going to come back and celebrate every holiday, every anniversary, um, everything with us. So, um, I'm, first of all, I'm assuming you're not opposed to making money. No, not, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I actually had a, fr a friend... <clears throat> a regular at Q1227. I, I told her that we were going to be talking and she actually had, because the, the, one of the things we've found is that that's like a community that you've created there. And a lot of the customers that we see, we've seen them before and they recognize us. And one of the things somebody said was, ask them what it's like to see the same faces coming in over and over again and, <laughs> and what it's like to feel that. Because you really do seem to have a bunch of us that are like, we just, we got to go see Q. Well, it's great, um, to be honest with you, because um, you guys are all extended family members. That's the way I look at it. Um, I'm just throwing a dinner party, and that restaurant is my living room, and you guys are coming in tonight. And you always come out. I, I, I know you yeah. always make time to, to work the tables. It's important to me to talk to the guests hand-on-hand, hand, because I want to know where's your experience, what you were expecting. And you, you really want to know. I really want to know. a lot of people are afraid to answer no. that question. Like, no. well, actually, this didn't hit the mark for me. And I need to know that if it didn't, because there's no improvement without constructive criticism. Are you still at this point, and, and we're going to get back to where you started and all that in a second, but are you right now, you're about, what, a year and a half open, if right. I'm doing my math right, right. are you still cooking um, yes. in the kitchen, cooking yes. everything? Yes. Now you got people helping you. Yes, of course. i got a great crew. Um, they're, they're doing an awesome job, but yes, I'm in there every day. I'm the first one to be in the kitchen. I'm the first one to turn the stoves on. I'm the first one to turn the lights on. I'm there. What's the average day? What time you get in? Uh, 8.30. AM? AM. And you leave at? 11.30 midnight. I did notice when we started going that you are also, you're five days a week. Yes. Which a lot of restaurants, they, they've got to be open seven days a week. Right. You're dinner only. Right. Um, and at least a couple times a year, I've noticed, you just shut down and let everybody go on vacation. Yeah, I think that's important. It's called the quality of life for us. 
Um, and I, I didn't have that in my earlier career because obviously I couldn't make those decisions for other restaurant owners. Um, but um, before we opened this, I, I said to my wife, I said, you know, um, I've been bit by the bug and I, I, I've worked the 16 hour days, of course, but it was all for another man's um, vision. And when we were embarking on this, I said, you know, honey, you're going to have to help me sustain a quality of life because my kids are growing up and, you know, and I love, I love my family. I love spending time with them. Um, but if I'm at the restaurant 24 seven, there will be no time. So that's why, again, it's not about, it's not about the, the turning the tables. It's really, really, really in it. And if more restaurant owners could understand this, and I, I don't have this perfect formula, don't get me wrong, but if they could understand it's about relationships and I'm not chasing a dollar, but Rob, the money, the money is there and it's, it's, it's not us chasing it. If I showed you my business plan compared to where we are now, you would really think I didn't know what I was writing <laughs> because it just doesn't make sense. I wrote my business plan for six days a week, lunch and dinner. And my bottom line, I'm already 25 to 30% over that now. Wow. And I'm like you said, I'm, you know, I'm off, I'm closed Sunday, Mondays, um, and we dinners only. So I think that, you know, we are, you know, we're definitely doing a great job. We have a great crew. They brought into our concept and we have this model. It's called rich. It's respect, integrity, commitment, hospitality. And everyone we hire in, we say, this is our motto. I'm going to tell you what it means to me. You tell me what it means to you. And if you can embody this, then you'll be a great asset for our team. And all of our, all of our, all of the employees, Rob, I tell them when we hire them, you don't work for me. You work with me. We're side by side. And we just, it's my vision, but you have a part to play in this vision. And if, you know, you have three tables, that becomes your little business tonight. Those tables. And I want you to treat them like they're your family members. Treat them like they're your friends, et cetera. The dish pit. Everybody. It's, it's, I want them to feel the, per, you know, take charge and feel the responsibility. One of the things we noticed right away from the very first time we went in was you do have an incredible staff. Thank you. And they do have a great attitude. And you seem to have created exactly what you're going for there. But as a business owner, I know that hiring and firing is sometimes the hardest part of the job. Are you literally doing all of that yourself? With my wife, um, because my wife is also the general manager, so um, she she hadn't had any restaurant experience. So, again, when we was doing the hiring, and I was interviewing general managers, and and I one after one general manager, you know, we interviewed, and I looked over at her, and I said, "Why am I looking for someone to build our dream when you can, you know, you can build it." She kind of looked at me and she goes, but I don't know the restaurant. Give me a year. I'll teach you the restaurant. I just, I can't be front and back, but if I had you as an extension, we, we can make this work. And she took it on. She took it, she took the bull by the horn, so to speak. And she's really done an awesome job. Um, and since she don't know, she didn't come from a corporate restaurant. She don't know the, the game of restaurant. She's done what comes best to her heart. She's treated people like with love and kindness and that works. That first night we were there, we met her, yeah. and she was happy to talk to us about, I think that night you had family working there. I think mm -hmm. you have family working off and on yeah. all the time, right? Yeah, my son works there, um, and every once in a while I get one of my daughters to come in. But like, <laughs> but like our, our social media manager, she's like, you know, she's like my goddaughter, you know? So, I mean, everybody is like family, really, it really is. Is your, is your son cooking? No, he likes the, um, um, in the front of the house. We trying to. Um, he's server assistant right now. We trying to get him to become a server. <laughs> <laughs> like, like trying to get him to do it, or yeah. Well, you know, it's he was very comfortable with just server assistants. He didn't want to, you know, um, venture out. Um, but since he moved out on his own and you know bought his own car and mm -hmm. he, you know he's trying to grow up. So, you know, he's uh, he's looking at it. He's thinking about it. So is he up there at the podium and then he's, he's seating people? Mm -mm, okay, because no, I'm trying to figure uh, out who he is now because no, I haven't no. met your son. Yeah, I, you've met him. I, <laughs> I just I'm don't sure know. You, yeah, you've met him. He's, he's running around there. He's uh, helped busting tables and things like that. Outstanding. So you've mentioned your wife quite a few times. Um, 
and, and she is a light. I mean, she's a natural. I, mean, yeah. I, I can see yeah. that you saw in her, you can do this. We'll just yeah. worry about the restaurant stuff right. um, on the side. And uh, her name's Tamara. Yeah. And she has quite the following herself. Yes. I mean, she's yeah. actually been in the limelight, I think, a lot more than you have. Oh, yeah, de- definitely. Um, she's a pastor. Yes. And uh, how'd you meet her, by the way? So she was, I was working at this restaurant, Rob, downtown Sacramento, and she came in and uh, to have dinner and, uh, you know, I, I said hello to her like I do tables and, you know, she kept coming back and I told her she kept stalking me. So she's like a, a Chef Q groupie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's call her that. Can we la- label that? Label she'll that. Love she, that she'll sure. love that. She'll love that, yeah. <laughs> and she just kept coming yeah, back? Yeah, she and just then... kept coming back. Um, then she started bringing family and friends Good. and all that stuff. And, you know, we got to got to know each other very well from her dining at the restaurant. And then, you know, one of those days, I don't know, I just, you know, she came in and with a friend and the friend went to the bathroom and I, I just really walked over to her, Rob, and this is I really went out on a limb here. I said, hey, you might not gonna, you might not believe this, but you're my wife. <laughs> this is your line. That was my line. It, wow. It, it really was my line, Rob, and it worked. It worked. She laughed, though. Let me tell you, it wasn't easy. She laughed, and about a year and a half later, I was able to take her out on her first date. And, what? Yeah. It yeah. took a year and a half from telling her that oh, you were dude, white. Oh, dude, you don't even know. <laughs> so she made you work for it. Oh, yeah. I worked. How I, long ago was that? 18 years now. Wow. 18 years, yeah. Um, so what, How? okay, let's go to Q1227 specifically okay. right now. How do you describe the food you serve? Modern comfort food. Um, I, I grew up in the South, um, and all of a lot of my recipes, if not all of my recipes, are really inspired by my Southern upbringing, but I've never cooked in Florida. My entire cooking career has been in California. So I like to say that I've taken those recipes and then I've taken our form the fork um, industry here in California and I combined the two. And I just want it to be modern comfort food. I, you know, tried trying our best to make those Southern recipes Californianized with the fresh ingredients that we have here locally in California. The thing about some of your cooking that just blows me away, and, and I was telling Tamara a couple of visits ago, that you're you're starting to make me angry now and then because I, I, I'm a really good cook, but this pork chop that you're cooking now, I cannot make a pork chop that good, which is why I got it like three times in a row because I'm like, <laughs> it was an accident. He's never going to make it that good. But the depth of your cooking, you've got another pork dish, the asobuco, which yeah. the flavors in there, they're just extraordinary. And where where do you, where does so is this all just where does this idea where do the ideas come from? Um, um, I don't know, Rob. I'm just bottled up with ideas. Like it's really they're really techniques, and then. You can just, if you learn this technique and you can interchange the ingredients, um, some work, some doesn't. So I'm not afraid to take chances. Um, with a lot of our dishes, you know, I just feel like, well, if I take this technique, add this ingredient and do this, let's see if it works. And I and I, I just go for it. And uh, Is that when you're doing like specials? Like sometimes is that a, an mm-hmm. experiment when you're doing those? Yeah, I always do them, you know, behind the door first. I always do them before I present them to the guests and I'll let kitchen staff or restaurant staff taste them and um the, you know they'll give me their feedback i'll let my wife taste them i'll let tracy taste them and then they'll um give me feedback and you know then i'll tweak a thing or two and then i'll put it out for a special for the restaurant do you have a a favorite dish on your menu at q1227 i like all the dishes and i'm not saying that to be you know um i, I do i like them all i i think that all of them have a place i, th- I think if if you have the restaurateur, you you go to a restaurant. The chef is telling a story with his menu, and I think if you allow yourself to take that journey on that restaurant to, from that chef, you you could understand a lot about his their career, his or her career. Um, <clears throat> the okra, for instance, my mom cut okra all the time in the south, um, <clears throat> and it was all slimy and just <laughs> yeah. you know just uh. Nobody liked it. No, none of none of my brothers. No, none of us liked it. But she was forced us to eat it. Um, so I wanted to bring an homage into my mom. But when I was in Japan, one of those restaurants that I knocked on the back door, um, he taught me how to make this Sichuan sauce. Now I've never had the two together until that day I tried it for the first time, and I was like, okay, I want to pay homage to my mom. So I'm gonna bring this okra back, but we can't make it slimy. So I'm gonna, you know, bread it and do all this stuff, and then I'm gonna toss it with the Sichuan. Pay homage to my my travels in in Japan, and 
we tried it for the first time, it was like, wow, this is crazy. This is really good. It, and there you go. I mean, really, it really was just, you know, really east meets west or south meets yeah. west at this point, right? Um, but it really, really was an experiment of two, my travels and my childhood coming together. So what's the story behind this enormous big boy ribeye thing, which I still haven't had yet because I got to bring more friends to be yeah. able to eat this thing? Rob, that's just, it's good meat. It's just, <laughs> man, it's just nice it's just and tender. just a pile of meat. Pile of meat, 42 ounces. And hey, we got to put your big boy pants on for that one. Um, but I, the, the whole idea was just meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes. And then you, you do, I've had the lamb, which mm-hmm. was extraordinary. And that was another big present. Mm-hmm. My wife and I split it. Yep. Um, and do you do beef Wellington as a big dish? I do. So oh. those, those dishes are under our family and friends feast, right? So the ideal is just that sharing. And, um, there's nothing like the dinner table to bring people together. And so we created this, this, this avenue or on our dishes to say family and friends feast so you can invite a whole bunch of people in and get this and it sits in the middle of the table and it's shareable and that was the whole ideal on it so we have the lamb we have the big boy um 42 ounce tomahawk steak we have the seafood platter um and then we just added the beef wellington you know it's two two and a half pounds of uh tenderloin beef wrapped puff pastry and duck style and just just goodness what uh, are you doing the desserts too or do you have a pastry chef I'm doing the desserts. Wow! Yeah, I That's got rare, isn't it? That the chef's doing rare. everything from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I'm, I don't call myself a pastry chef, but I do know enough to get by. I do have one dessert that I do order in from a friend of mine who's a baker in uh, the Bay Area. So he, um, I order that from him, and he brings that in. Just one of the the lemon bunt cake. He does that. He's a um, very good chef or a, ba- a pastry chef, and he's getting his foot into restaurants. So every restaurant that I've ever been in, I've brought one of his desserts, if not a couple, into the the restaurant. That bread pudding you make is amazing. That's my mom's. Actually, the problem is, like you were saying, you're right. It does sound like, oh, I'm not going to pick a hole here. But everything on your menu has been extraordinary that that, that we've tried. And it's always the same high quality. I can't imagine ever having to say to you, eh, you you missed with this one. Because I just don't know how you would. Well, we're we're trying. I mean, it really is trial and error. But we... We have fun. I don't, you know, again, I tell aspiring cooks and chefs that, hey, guys, if you can read, you can really, you can cook. Because a, rest, a recipe is just a list of instructions. So if you can read, you really can, you know, like do this dish. I'll write the recipes and I just need you to get all your mise and plots together. I'll come over, I'll check your mise. And when I see your mise is properly done, I'll let you go to step number two and then I'll check and then once we've completed that dish for the first time, the next time you do it on your own. And then I'll check the quality, I'll check the taste, and we move on from there. Because there's no way I could do all of that myself every day. And, you know, I have to train and teach those around me. That's funny that you mentioned that. We've actually many times on the air I've had to explain to people the difference between mise en place, everything in its place, and mm-hmm. mirepoix. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I don't like, know how you hear these terms like food. <laughs> like, yeah. um, okay, that's all well and good, but... The other really fascinating thing that I have no idea what the answer is about your story is you opened Q about six six to ten weeks before the pandemic hit. Right. And here you are. Place is always packed. Right. You're very popular, busy. How that that's that's something more than I can read mm-hmm. to, to. I mean, a lot of us in business had to pivot in big ways when right. the pandemic hit, right. especially the restaurant industry. Yeah, you had know. just started. Yeah. When you look back, is there something specific that you said, this is how we're going to do it, that worked? Did, was it luck? Was it, what, how did you get through it? Well, everything we did was intentional. Um, 25 years in the game, and, and I've opened my share of restaurants. Um, <clears throat> again, we opened on, on December 27th. 2019. You not only named the restaurant after your birthday, you opened on your birthday. I opened on my birthday. <laughs> um, and it was intentional, Rob, because I know from the industry that around Christmas time, restaurants are typically slow. So I thought that was going to be a, a good time for us to get our camel legs underneath us. We can make our mistakes in, in quiet. We can, you know, kind of get this thing right when we won't have a lot of eyes on us. Um, we open up dinners only. Um, <clears throat> and of course, yes, the pandemic hit. Um, but we pivoted, we pivot to do family meals whenever we couldn't see the inside, we did family meals. So I reduced my menu 
kind of changed my menu because I, I didn't want to close because we were so new. And then we did this thing where we fed the frontliners. We took food to the hospitals, fed the nurses. We did all of that because we wanted to say thank you. Um, and um, Tracy, she blew up social media and just kind of got our, our names out and what we were doing, and, and it was great. And then um, That's how we found you guys, social, social media. Social media? Yep. Yeah, she really did a great job, but everything was intentional. Um, we didn't want to do too much too soon. Um, we hired a right amount of staff. And then when it was time to open patio only, um, we did that, but we did it intentional. And then our menu grew. Again, I didn't want to do anything too fast, too soon. And the community just came out to support us. Um, I do think there was a perfect storm. Um, I think that people was quarantined. People were, you know, you know, wanting to come out, wanting to spend money. But I also think that there was this movement called the BLM movement where people wanted to support black owned businesses. And I think that was a perfect storm for us because um, we were black owned. We had great social um, media presence um, and people wanted to support black businesses at the time. Um, and we were, we were there and we were, we, 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 we presented ourselves well. Um, and then when they came in, it was consistent and it was good. And it was all this, cause I don't care how, how well you are on social media. If they come in and the food is not good, if the ambiance is not good, then it's, they're not coming back. And then we treated everybody with love and all that stuff. So did you see, unfortunately it's a terrible correlation to, to make, but did you see a noticeable impact after the George Floyd incident? And as things really took hold with the racial inequality discussions, I, I did. I saw <clears throat> I saw a lot of, um, you know, support coming from um, predominantly black um, areas of town. Um, it was it was really, really great. Um, but I also remember, Rob, that I, I had to make a stand. I had to call our staff in and we had to talk to our staff about um, they were being disrespected. Um, because some of our guests was coming in and because it is a black own establishment um and i remember you know interview i did and i you know and i was really adamant i said i don't want to be known as a black owned restaurant i want to be known as a restaurant with good food just so happens to be black owned don't don't i don't know identify me as a black owned restaurant first i want to be known as a good restaurant and just so happen to be black owned and 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 so i took that stand and and our guest was coming in and it was you know, just, I don't know, we say wilding out. It was just doing their thing. So I I pulled our staff in because they were getting disrespected. They wasn't getting properly taken care of tip-wise and, you know, and all of this stuff. And I, and I said to them, and I had the conversation that it's not about, you know, the money for me. If these, if our, our motto, rich motto goes both ways. And if our guests can't respect you, I don't need them in here. And I remember, you know, talking to a few of our tables, our guests, and then say, man, I appreciate your support, but if you're going to act like this, I don't need it. What were they doing in an example? In an example, they were taking chairs from other tables. They party size increased, didn't say anything. And I even had guests, Rob, bring, because we were beer and wine only, I've had guests bring in alcohol to consume at a table. And I had to go out to them and says, no, not here. You can't do that. You know, Isn't there a law against that for starters? Exactly, right? <laughs> Not to mention how rude it is to you as the business owner. Right. And, and I literally had to say that. And um, so you call yourself supporting black-owned businesses, but this is what you do. That's not support because I can get closed down. Incidentally, will, do you have plans to open a full bar at some point? Um, it may be in the works. Again, intentionally done. We open beer and wine because I wanted to be food-focused first. And um, It you does know, bring in another element, doesn't it? It does. If you have it a does. full bar. It does. And I mean, knowing that with, you know, then I got to worry about the inventory of it. I got to worry about the theft of it. I got to worry about all that other stuff. And right now I just wanted to get this baby up and running um, food focus first, and then we could increase down the line. So, so you open, you open this restaurant that happens to be owned by a black man mm -hmm. in the last time I checked a city that's 98% white people. Right. Um, and I know you said from certain parts of the community, people, I, I, we have friends come from Elk Grove almost every week to eat at your, right. your restaurant. Um, any issues 
with or what was the plan? You seem to have everything planned. So what was the thinking there? Um, the, the thinking was, um, first of all, you know, I, I've looked at spaces all over the Sacramento region. This place made the perfect sense because of the size. Um, I like to say we're on restaurant row. Um, there's a whole lot of great restaurants around us. And the, um, the community um, income was where I needed to be. Um, and all of that with the fact that the building was vacant and ready to move in. <laughs> that was helpful. <laughs> that, was, that was major. Um, but all of that, you know, and it helped, it helped me write my menu. We, um, we visited all the restaurants around. You know, I looked at their menu, and of course, I'm not going to mimic what they do, but I can fill in the gap, and that's what I think I did. I came out, I, I noticed, because a lot of times we, especially as black chefs, we get labeled with a, with a, with a label. We're a soul food chef. We're a barbecue chef. Well, what happens if that building that you want to open up is next to another barbecue restaurant, but you call yourself a barbecue chef? Right. I'm a chef. I'm not a soul food chef. I'm not a barbecue chef. I'm a chef. So I can do all types of food. So we found the building and kind of did our um, analytics of what was around us and said, hey, if we open this restaurant, this is what I want it to be because nobody's doing this out here. And let's see, see see if it works. So is that where things like meatloaf get on the menu? Right. That your southern fried chicken is mm -hmm. extraordinary. Um, and, and then, like we talked about these fans. You had lobster thermidor as a special a couple weeks ago. I did. Which is amazing. I did. Um, so did, did the... Did you feel welcome from the time you opened up? I did. Seriously, like, I can't even imagine that the support from the community has been amazing. Um, but what's funny, the community, it's like, it's not just the three to five mile radius of the restaurant. Um, we've expanded that, and um, people coming from, like you said, Elk Grove, Sacramento, the Bay Area, um, Modesto, We've we've had people drive in from Stockton, Modesto, just to eat there. I mean, it's it's really overwhelming. It really is, and it's a, it's an humbling experience. Um, I'm 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 really grateful. Um, I'm beyond blown away, because I I I'll tell guests, you drove past 500 restaurants, a thousand restaurants, just to get here to have fried chicken. <laughs> I I'm really humbled. Like, what do you want me to do with that? Um, so my job, our kitchen job, our restaurant job, is to make sure that we present this the best possible way every time there's no there's no chance i mean we can't afford to slack because if someone driving from elk grove or stockton they deserve to have the best experience possible so that's that's our whole mind frame so you're you are you're in that you're right restaurant really you're surrounded by some really great fun places mm -hmm. um but you are kind of landlocked there if you ever would you you ain't expanding unless somebody goes out of business next door to you, but would there be a second queue in the making someday? Um and or serving lunch? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that past us to have a second location or a bigger location. Um Um our our biggest problem at the moment right now is that we just don't have enough seat to accommodate all the guests that wants to come in. Um but is that even is that post pandemic? Are you back to capacity or No, we're not back to hundred percent. I mean Here's what I mean. We pre-pandemic we took tables out. We have not brought any tables back in yet. So, um, because I didn't want to have a guest a empty table and have a guest say, "Well, why can't I sit there?" Well, because COVID, we can't. We have to. You know, so we just took tables out. Right. Um. But um. No, we haven't moved tables back in. So, um. I don't know, Rob. It, it's 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 crazy because like we don't really have room to expand. But if a bigger building come available in a near area, or if there's chance for another location somewhere i would be open to that now that i'm 1.5 years in i told my wife from the beginning i said well we can't think about doing anything until two years in um and that was my whole plan and i literally said to her like the first year expect this the second year then we can start looking at this so <clears throat> we're you know we're on pace we're really above pace to do that now and it's <laughs> it's funny when we open up we couldn't get nobody interested in doing anything with us. It's just my wife and I. <laughs> and now that we've, um, we seem to have this formula that people want to, you know, help us out. So it's really interesting. No, when I, when I approached Tamara a couple weeks ago about you coming on the show, my biggest concern was that you would be like, I'm too busy. 
I would love to do it, but I'm but I'm too busy because I, I it, it is exactly what you said. There's there's nothing in this for for me other than I love exposing great people, great business oh, owners, um, to the community, and and it's uh, it is such a great vibe. But that was my concern was because Q was like, I come on another one. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can here. Well, you know, again, it's intentional, man. You guys are not only you know great people. You guys, you're, you're frequent restaurant, and and we we said we'll do whatever we have to take to make this happen. So, so I appreciate the offer. Yeah, so glad to to have you here. What um, so if, now that you're you're a year and a half in, you're ahead of schedule, as you said. Um, going back to the COVID thing, when 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 you were implementing that plan, there were a couple months there was scary for all of us. Yes. What are you presenting to your staff? Are you presenting nothing but iron steel confidence? I'm going to get us through this. Are you lying to them, or how are you getting them through it? Um, I was very honest, um, and we said to them, um, you know, we're not closing. Now, we may have to modify hours. We may have to do X, Y, Z, but we're not closing. Um, and I'm looking at my wife, and I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm not going to wait 25-plus years to get my own spot and then allow a pandemic to close my doors in the first three months. I, I, I just – my faith is beyond – that all of this happened like this to close down in a, in a, in a month and a half. I just, I, I couldn't believe it. So we had to fight through it. I mean, you know, I, when we got the keys, the, the miracle behind that, that we had not signed a contract. We had not did anything when the landlord, I, I visited the building. I asked to visit the building. Um, my wife was with me my kids were with me. Tracy was there. Um, and we, we visited the building and as, they're looking at the building. I'm just walking around, Rob, and I'm looking like I can do this. <laughs> and that was all I felt like I can do this. This is this is doable. And he told me how much the rent was, and you know, I I, I, check, I checked my savings real quick, and I was like, <laughs> okay, so if no no customers come in for the first three months, I know. So I was like, I was like, I was like really doing the math and saying how how far you know in advance can I afford this, you know. Um, and I looked at my wife and I said, I can do this, but I need you with me. Um, and she go, well, let's do it. And, and that was it. When that man left, he gave me the keys without signing a contract, without doing anything. And I actually got the keys October the 12th. So again, intentionally, I chose not to open until December, October the 12th until December the 27th. We just opened to private parties because I used to do a lot of catering and stuff. So we just started sending out notices that we would do private events, you know, all that stuff. So we did that for the first, you know, few months because again, you know, holiday season coming up, people going to need somewhere to do Christmas parties. All that was intentional and um, it really worked. Then the pandemic hit and all of that, but I was really, really confident that, you know, we're going to ride this thing out. We're going to modify our menu. I had a meeting um, right during the beginning of the pandemic with a whole bunch of chefs because we was trying to figure out how we was going to maneuver this. And <clears throat> when I tell you that the struggle was, um, well, my food don't look good in a box. Mm. And it was really heart crunching to, to us because, you know, we presented a certain way for a certain reason. And, and for a lot of the chefs that I know, they couldn't maneuver to put their food in a box. So they closed, they chose to close or, you know, whatever. And I was like, I can't afford to close because I I just opened. So I chose to remodify my menu. What will travel well? What will people order? And then let's bulk it up because parents are home with kids all day. They doing homework. They doing this, this whole thing. Now they got to cook. Nah, let's, mm -hmm. let's just take that out of the equation for them. Come and get this family feast. Come and get this, this fried chicken. Come and get this. We're going to pack it all up for you, and we're going to make it affordable. And that's what we did. And so, and through all of that, you've mentioned your faith a few times. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that's one of the driving things in your life. Yeah. And that gets you through. How, how big of a role does that play in your life? Faith, family, food. In that order? In that order. Talk to God every day? Every day. Multiple times, I'm guessing. Yeah. When I walk in the restaurant, I'm the only one there. First thing I do is I, I pray. Every day. Has he always been a part of your life? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll say you now. I've I've not always listened. Sure. We all walk away now and then, right? <laughs> but yes, 
um, growing up as a child, my mom would take me to church all the time. Um, and then there, there was that point in life when you, you know, when I grew up and you thought that you knew and oh yeah, well whatever. And you know, you go astray. But um, I actually, when when I met my wife, you know, because she's um, she's a pastor, she kind of reeled me back into the faith and um, helped me stay on on the on the on the path. So it's, I'm very fortunate for that. So when you're when you're at home, um, what do you eat? I get this image of you propping your feet. See, I think people think that you're cooking your same meals at home all the time, whereas I get the image of you propping your feet up and having like a cheese sandwich or something that people would never guess you'd eat. Rob, I, oh man, it's whatever like strikes me. Like seriously, we, the other day I, I, I just grilled lobster tails. <laughs> just, we just go at it. I mean, you know, we got this thing every Sunday that we, you know, there's about 20 to 30 people that come over to our home and we call it Fat Sunday. And um, I just, I just go crazy. Even it's, when you're not working, oh, you're yeah. entertaining and cooking. Oh, yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. It's fun, though. It's fun. It's not, again, it's not, when I'm cooking, the the ultimate prize is to see the people that are eating the food happy. Like, that's the ultimate prize to see. You know, whether it's at the restaurant, at home, or wherever, like, I can be doing a cookout somewhere, you know, campground. If if you like that hot dog, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's do you, like, do you do that at the restaurants? You got the open air kitchen. You can look right out. You can make eye contact. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever like make sure you're watching somebody the first bite they take? I do, I do, and it's a lot of times it's overwhelming because you know the first thing that people do when the food hits the table, most of them take out their phones. Yep, right. They take a picture, and then that that first bite when they close their eyes, we call that that ratatouille moment. <laughs> you know, when they have that ratatouille moment, we was like, yeah. That's that's what we're looking for. And then they'll stare at you like, boy, you don't put your foot in this. <laughs> so so it's it's really it's really humbling, man, because you know, I mean, I keep I, I, I keep expecting someone to say, This was horrible. I didn't like this. I keep expecting that. You know, I read a book a long time ago about Julius Irvin, and he said that every day he has to go out and perform because there's someone trying to take his job. So he can't afford to take a day off. So I, I tell that to the crew, you know, we can't afford to take a day off. And we're only as good as our last plate, Rob. So every plate that we put out has to be on point, has to be on point. Um, I have this crazy concept that I call my pyramid concept. And um, it's, it's nowhere else. And it's kind of just, I derived it from my 25 plus years in the industry. And I, you know, I got a, perfect triangle here not an obtuse triangle not a oblong triangle it's a perfect triangle and it's 90 degree angles and it's food ambiance and it's service and i and i tell the staff if we can get that perfect 90 degree angle on all three of those points every time we're successful and it can't be food was great service was eh, ambiance was okay well that's not a perfect triangle and and we've gone out. We've we've been to restaurants where we'll we'll say one of them was on point, and the other two were there, and you don't really feel like going back there. You may go back for the food, or you may go back for the service, but if we can hit all three, it's a win win, and that's what we strive to do every single day, is to hit them perfect points, ninety degree angles all the way around, and that that's that's just that's my concept. That's kind of something that. Over the years that I've said, why does this restaurant work? This one doesn't. Why does this one get great reviews? This one doesn't. You know, and, and just over the years, I just said, okay, it's got, it, it has to be this. The perfect concept is 90 degree angles, not pyramid. And if we can hit all three. You should probably like patent that idea. You know, you can get your own you know, TV cooking show someday. Working on it, Rob. With, with your triangle. Well, I was going to ask you, do you have any, are, like, are there any big name chefs that everybody knows, celebrity chefs that everybody knows that you're like, watch that person? Um, well, I tell you what, I, I admire Chef Danielle Bluter from, from New York, mm. from afar. Have you, have you eaten at Danielle? Oh, yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I know that sounds it's, very pompous to some people, but I mean, it's no. like a once in a lifetime thing for some it's, of us, and it was incredible. It, it's absolutely amazing. I actually met him one of those nights I was in New York. We went to his restaurant, and apparently, when I got up from and go to the restroom, my wife told the, the concierge that I was a chef, and Danielle just happened to be in the building. He came out, signed a book for me. We wow. took a picture together, and it was he's just humble. He's a great guy. Um, he, from afar, of course, he's a classic French chef, but. Um, you know, if you know anything about the culinary arts, French cooking is like the mother cooking. So you 
have to be able to gleam or, or learn from their style of cooking and then add on what other, other styles that you may like. So I, I, I do admire him. I've been to, you know, Danielle's couple times and then to some of his side restaurants a few times. And of course you got Charlie Charter, you got the French Laundry, you got places like Per Se, you got places like that. That's just absolutely amazing what they can do with fresh ingredients and food and, and all of that. Um, I so, thought, I thought that, that they took that. I, th- I thought Per Se was so much grander than French Laundry. Yeah. I don't know if you had that same experience. Yeah. French Laundry is what it is, French, yeah. but Per yeah. Se, what, not just the gorgeous view and everything, but I mean just the food, the presentation. Yeah. It, it seemed like they well, had really taken it to another level. I think it's because it's New York. Maybe. You know, it's it's New York. Um, um, and then, you know, I think in Yonkville, it's a little bit more, you know, down to earth, you know, kind of kind of people over there. But uh, and both are amazing, though, in their own right. You yeah. know, and if you if you don't like, you know, if you can't afford, if you will, um, you know, French Laundry, then you got Ad Hoc. You got. Oh, you know, Ad Hoc. So, good. you know, you got that right down the street. So. You know, your nap for recommendations, folks. I mean, this is like, they're always calling and asking. I try to remember a few of them, and, and ad hoc's always one of them. Ad, right ad hoc's now. great. I mean, I, I just loved it. Um, but uh, you know, it's when my wife and I travel. That's we will go to great restaurants, and that's what we do. I I'm I'm gleaming. I'm learning from the food, the presentation. How to how and why did they blend these two together? And she's looking at service and and all of that and and then it's just and then when we come back you know when we were able to open q1227 it was just a conglomerate of all of that too it just works but it's not work when you're out there doing you're still traveling and having fun because you're so passionate about yeah, the restaurant mm-hmm. the food mm-hmm. and, and everything yes. else yeah. so when you're not restauranting when you're not fooding what do you do you have fun like 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 i know you have fun i don't mean that way like what do you do for fun you like sports I like, I love I love basketball. Basketball is probably my favorite sport. So we love going to games. I mean, last couple of years going to Keen's game hasn't been really great. But, <laughs> yeah, um, we were <laughs> we were um, we were season ticket holders. But um, you know, when when we open the restaurant, you know, again, it's it's time now to build. So you know, we just take that in consideration. When we take those weeks off at a time from the restaurant, you know, we go the family. We'll get away. We'll go um, rent a house in L.A. or or in the mountains somewhere and just just have family time. I you know, family is great for me. It's it's building a legacy for me. It's leaving something for my family because as a as a black man, I didn't have that. I didn't have, you know, no one speaking wealth into my life. So I, I find it very important for me to, to turn around and speak wealth into those around me, not only my kids, but those that are close to me in my close circle. You know, I think it's important. Thank you so much for doing this, Q. Yeah, I really appreciate it. it. It's so nice to get to know you this way. Love your restaurant, yeah. love your family, yeah. and uh, just want to encourage everybody to try out. Try it. Follow you on social media. You're active yeah, there. Your restaurant you. is, and uh, all the best to you in the future. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate the opportunity. Did you enjoy this episode of the Rad Podcast? Send an email to rad at radradio.com. A new episode of the Probcast premieres anytime Rob feels like doing one.